Greetings, friends. I'm John Haspel. This is a Dhamma talk from Cross River Meditation Center in Frenchtown, New Jersey. If you find benefit from this talk, please support the restoration, the preservation, and the presentation of the Buddha's Dhamma with your donation at becoming-buddha.com. Thank you. Peace. The Kula Vidala Sutta, a nun teaches her husband. Here's a little bit of John's commentary. The Saka is seeking clarity on self-referential views, anatta, and how self-identification with impermanent phenomena continually seeks to establish itself through clinging to all thoughts, words, objects, events, and ideas. Anatta is the word used to describe what is commonly believed to be a self, that the Buddha, teacher is not a, the, the Buddha teaches is not a self. And then here's my words, just elaborating on that a little more. So, the nature of mind is to grasp onto every phenomenal experience and then use it to define itself. That's anatta. What the Buddha said is actually not a self. When we experience phenomena, the direction of the Buddha is to be mindful of experiencing the phenomena. When walking, be mindful of walking. When sitting, be mindful of sitting, etc. That's because the Buddha knows the nature of mind. And the nature of mind is to have an experience of a phenomena while simultaneously thinking about the experience. This is happening, that is happening, I am happening. And when we start to think about an experience instead of just experiencing it, two things happen. We move away from experience and just being present with life as life occurs. And we begin to use the experience to define me. This is clinging. So, Visaka asks a question. Dhamma what is self-identification as described by the Buddha? Her response, Visaka, the Buddha teaches that self-identification is established by clinging to form, by clinging to feelings, by clinging to perception, by clinging to fabrications, and by clinging to consciousness. These five clinging aggregates are the self-identification taught by the Buddha. Visaka continues, your answer is very helpful. What then is the origination of self-identification to form, feelings, perceptions, fabrications, indeed in every thought? Her response, it is clinging, Visaka, that brings continual establishment of anatta, clinging born of craving, accompanied by passion and by delight, craving for sensual pleasure, craving for the continued establishment in this world and other realms. This is the origination of self-identification as taught by the Buddha. And Visaka asks, what then is the cessation of self-identification? The renunciation and the remainderless fading away of the very clinging born of craving that originates the continual establishment of anatta. This is the cessation of self-identification as taught by the Buddha. What then, dear lady, is the path of practice leading to the cessation of self-identification that's taught by the Buddha? 
Friend Vasaka, it is precisely the noble eightfold path of right view, right intention, right speech, right action, right livelihood, right effort, right mindfulness, and right meditation that the Buddha teaches to develop the virtue, the concentration, and the wisdom required to abandon self-identification, to abandon clinging. Is clinging the same as the five clinging aggregates? Clinging is not the same as the five clinging aggregates, Vasaka, nor is it separate. It is the clinging, it is the nature of the five clinging aggregates to cling. It is the function of the five clinging aggregates to cling. It is the nature of anatta to cling. It is the function of anatta to cling. So these are my words. Clinging is the anatta life force. So Vasaka is just really wanting it to be something other than clinging and something other than practice the Eightfold Path. He and Dhammadina just continues to gently remind him that it is clinging. The problem is clinging. When we move away from an experience and then we use that experience to define ourselves. We join with our experience. And that is what causes suffering. So again, Buddha's direction, when, mind, when walking, be mindful of walking. When sitting, be mindful of sitting. That is, that is experiencing a phenomena rather than using the phenomena to identify me. Stay with the phenomena while it arises and pass away, passes away. Right intention helps us do this. Right intention is holding in mind the intention to renounce clinging in all forms. And again, clinging is joining with a phenomena, with the experience of a phenomena. It is using the phenomena to define this, me. The moment-by-moment -moment experience of a practitioner is internal or external experience arises as an internal or external experience or phenomena arises. I stay with it. Maybe I get distracted by it. Maybe I start to use it to define me, but then I recognize that I'm doing that. I recognize that clinging has arisen in the mind, that anatta has arisen in the mind, and I return to the experience of the phenomena arising and passing away. This is the renunciation. Okay, back to the sutta. Visaka, how does self-identification develop? Dhammadina says, those uninstructed in regard to the Dhamma, run-of-the-mill people with no regard for noble ones or those of integrity are deluded. They believe that form to be the self or that the self possesses the form. They are further deluded to believe that their self-referential feelings are the self, that their perceptions of self define the self, that their fabrications that further establish the self to be the self. They assume that their self-referential thoughts establish the self. Each of these five clinging aggregates are impermanent and arise from ignorance. They are anatta. They are not a self. So Visaka's question, how does self-identification develop? And her answer is basically, it just does. Can you, can you repeat that? 
Yeah, so Visaka's question is how does self-identification develop? He's wanting to understand like the mechanics of self-identification. He's not, not ready to do anything about it. He doesn't want to do anything about it. He, just, he wants to get to the bottom of it. By clinging. Right, that's clinging, yeah. And her answer is that's just the nature of mind. It's just what happens. So that's really valuable to hear because then if you, well, actually he needs to hear it a few more times as you'll see in the rest of the sutta. <laughs> and I'm sure I'm still not convinced that he figures it out at the end. But, but as you, when you hear that it's just the nature of mind to cling, then you can let it go. You cannot try to look for why I'm clinging. Just let it go. How do you let it go? You do the practice. Okay, we're going to get to that. Ben? Yes. This is, your, your commentary is just brilliant, and I'll talk more about it later, but what you just said, that it, it's, the, it's the quality of mind to cling, is as straightforward as the first noble truth, dukkha occurs. Right. It's the quality of mind to cling, Dukkha occurs. It's just, just brilliant. Thank you. This was worth waiting. Right. And, and so thank you for pulling that out. Part of Dukkha is that we have minds that have the nature to cling. Yeah. That this is our experience. Our minds just naturally cling. So yeah. the way to move, the way to deal with that, as we'll see, is, is through the Eightfold Path. But we're, we're going to drill down on that a little bit. So. Okay, so first question from Visaka, how does self-identification develop? And her answer is, well, it just does. That's, these are my, those are my words. That's my little abbreviated answer. Then his next question is, how does self-identification not develop? So her answer is, those well-instructed in regard to the Dhamma, with regard for the noble ones, and those with integrity, well-disciplined in their practice, do not believe form to be the self. They do not believe that feelings establish or define a self, or that perception defines a self. They are free of mental fabrications, having no foundation for fabrications. They do not assume that thoughts establish a self or that the self possesses thoughts. They do not assume that consciousness is the self or that the self possesses consciousness. One sec. Sorry, I was getting some feedback there. Um, there is no self attached to any of these five clinging aggregates. So again, his question is, um, how does self-identification not develop? And her answer is, um, practice, practice the Dhamma, so that you can develop the belief, develop the belief, that thoughts, feelings, perceptions, fabrications, and consciousness are occurring in this mind, but they are not me. So we have to develop that belief. We have to practice so that we can have concentration to see and move away from clinging, move away from self-identification in the mind. Vasaka then asks if the Eightfold Path is fabricated or unfabricated, and Dhammadina replies that the Eightfold Path is fabricated. Vasaka then inquires if the qualities of virtue, concentration, and wisdom are developed through the Eightfold Path, 
or do these three qualities inspire the Eightfold Path? Her answer is Visaka, the Eightfold Path is inspired by the qualities of virtue, concentration, and wisdom. Right speech, right action, and right livelihood inspire the development of heightened virtue. Right effort, right mindfulness, and right meditation inspire the development of heightened concentration. And right view and right intention inspire the development of heightened wisdom. Vasaka then asks, what is concentration and what is the framework for right concentration? What are the requisites and how is it developed? Her answer is samadhi, or non-distraction, is concentration. So non-distraction is concentration, which means concentration is non-distraction. So as we develop concentration, we do not become distracted by phenomena arising and passing away. And distraction is self-identification. It's clinging. It's using the phenomena to define me. The framework for right concentration is the four foundations of mindfulness. Being mindful of the breath and the body, being mindful of feelings and arising and fading away, being mindful of thoughts occurring and fading away, and being mindful of the present quality of mind. Right effort provides the requisites for right concentration. You should always endeavor with skillful desire and persistence for the non-arising of unskillful qualities and to abandon unskillful qualities that have yet arisen. And Visaka, always endeavor with great desire and persistence to generate skillful qualities that have yet arisen and to maintain skillful qualities that have arisen. So no matter where we are in our, in our clinging, whether, whether we're just meditating and we notice that we're getting caught up in our thinking or we're getting distracted or we're totally fully you know, in the bell jar and lost in the sauce of the swamp of, of the story that's causing our suffering, if we can recognize that we're there what do we do? We practice the four foundations of mindfulness. That is what we do. We come back to the breath and the body. We watch feelings and we watch the breath arise and pass away. Feelings arise and pass away. Thoughts arise and pass away. Overall state of consciousness arise and pass away. What are fabrications, dear lady? Dhammadina says there are three bodily fabrications, verbal fabrications, and mental fabrications. In and out breaths are bodily fabrications, as breaths are generated from the clinging aggregate of form. Feelings and perceptions are mental fabrications, as they are generated by the clinging aggregates of feelings and perceptions. Conditioned and discursive thought and evaluation are verbal fabrications, as they are generated from the clinging aggregate of consciousness. The Saka then says, how then does the attainment of cessation of feelings and perceptions develop? Dhammadina says, a well-informed person who has developed understanding through the Eightfold Path does not have a thought of attainment. Rather, they refi their refined minds lead to the cessation of feelings and perceptions. Verbal fabrications cease, then bodily fabrications, and finally mental fabrications. 
Damadina continues, when a well-informed person emerges from the cessation of feelings and perceptions, they are empty of clinging, free of self-identification and conditioned mind. The well-informed person's mind inclines to seclusion and away from delight and entanglement in the world. Vasaka then asks, how many kinds of feelings are there? There are only three kinds of feelings, Vasaka. There is pleasant feeling, painful feeling, and neutral feeling. Pleasant feeling that changes can become painful. Painful feelings that change become pleasant. Neutral feelings may change as well to either pleasure or pain. All feelings are subject to anicca, which is impermanence. Pleasant feelings can give rise to passion obsession. Painful feelings can give rise to resistance obsession. Neutral feelings can give rise to ignorance obsession. When a well-informed person is withdrawn from the obsession of sensual fulfillment and withdrawn from unskillful qualities through meditative absorption, they abandon passion and passion obsession. Yearning for final libera liberation, resistance obsession is abandoned. Deepening meditative absorption, ignorance obsession is abandoned. Dear lady, what then lies on the other side of ignorance? Clear knowing, true insight lies on the other side of ignorance. And Visaka, with clear knowing comes release from clinging. From, from release from clinging comes complete unbinding. Dhamma what then lies on the other side of unbinding? Visaka, you have gone too far. Finally. <laughs> Finally, she calls him out. <laughs> she has so much patience. Your clinging mind has demanded too many answers, and your questions will lead to only more confusion and suffering. The Buddha's path, the Eightfold Path, culminates in unbinding. Is this not enough? If you wish, go to the Buddha and ask him. Let his answer be enough. Vasaka was delighted in Dhammadina's teachings. He bowed to her and left for the Buddha. Finding the Buddha nearby, he sat to one side of the Buddha and recounted what Dhammadina told him. The Buddha replied, Dhammadina is very wise and of great discernment. I would have answered your questions exactly as she has. This is how you should remember these teachings. Vasaka was pleased by the Buddha's confirmation. And that's the end of the sutta. So, I mean, I made a joke at the end um, because he just keeps, I, I've, in the process of continually avoiding just sitting down to practice, he brings us through a long review of the Dhamma, which is very helpful. And I think also what is excellent here is Dhammadina's example of just complete compassion and patience. She's not taking his questions personally. She's not getting frustrated with him, not getting it. And this is her ex-husband. And this is her ex-husband, <laughs> right, absolutely. So clearly they must have a little, you know, some, some history there. Um, and I, you know, I think that's valuable. I mean, clearly we all do that for each other here in this Sangha, and John does it for us and the other teachers. But I think it's also really helpful to think about using Dhammadina's example for how we talk to ourselves 
how when we're not getting it, you know, we fall off the path, you know, once again, we're clinging rather than getting into, why am I doing this? What, but what, you know, what's the, what's at the bottom of this clinging? We just remind ourselves that this is just the nature of mind and, and kind of use Dhamma example, of just being really patient with ourselves. Hmm. So let's talk to some people in the audience. Um, I'm going to start with Dev, if that's okay. Dev, because you're on the right side of my screen. Do you have anything you want to say tonight? Hi. Hi, Jen. Hi. Hi, everyone. Um, no. I, I, like, it, I find this very interesting. I, 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 uh, yeah, your explanation clarifies it a lot more for me. Um, I'd like to continue to listen. Great. Thank you for joining us. Um, Jane, are you out there? I am. Hi. You did a great job. Mm. Um, I really don't have anything to add, except for me, it just boils down to practice. Yep. You know, and we know what to practice and just do it. Agreed. And I look forward to seeing you tomorrow Yay. and everybody else. So thank Absolutely. you. Absolutely. Thank you, Jane. Oh, uh, sorry. I, I do have a question. Oh, yeah. Um, Go ahead, Dad. That came up. Uh, would you be able to sort of provide, like, maybe your own personal example of um, an experience where you experience a moment of clinging uh, to that experience? I'm, I'm still sort of trying to understand uh, what's being described there. So an example of clinging. Um, so it could be, I mean, just to I, like use a simple example. Um, uh, yeah, because um, uh, it, it's it, the same thing is meant by joining, joining with the with the experience, uh, uh, right? Right, right, right. And so, and so I was trying to think of um, how to relate to that, but I, I'm sort of having trouble. Got it. So, are you familiar with um, the four foundations of mindfulness? Like, uh, yeah, I think, yeah, I think I, I, I've heard them uh, several times. So, I think I can, yeah. So, so, um, remaining mindful of your breath arising and then your breath passing away, and your breath arising and your breath okay. passing away, right? So that's. Yeah. Um, a simple thing that we do during our practice that in that itself is the arising of a phenomenon so your your breath is arising okay and your breath is passing away now if you're just experience that experiencing that in breath and that out breath and you're staying focused with the in breath and the out breath then you're not clinging when you start to say to yourself, this is my breath, this breath feels 
too fast, it feels too slow, it feels too deep, feels too shallow, why am I breathing this way? What are these other sensations I'm having? That is when you start to identify with the breath. So that, that's the process of identification. That's clinging, right. And right, so I can, I can understand why, if you were to take that out of the picture, that, that's what John often refers to as you're just being a point of reference. Right. Okay. Yeah, and so, you know, talking about something, some, something more substantial, you could just talk about, you know, when you're driving your car and somebody, somebody pulls in front of you, you know, there's it that just happened that's an experience it's a phenomena that happened you can respond to that accordingly by you know slowing down or um whatever it is that you might need to do in that moment that's skillful but if you start to tell yourself that this person did this thing to me and now i'm mad at this person because they you know, offended me with their driving. Okay. Now you're identifying with a phenomenon. It's happening okay. to me. Yeah. Or even if you, I if you think that you know, pointed out. Sorry. By my time? Yeah, yeah, go ahead. That, that point of recognition is the awakened mind. It's knowing at, at that point exactly what's occurring without any eye making. That, that's it. It's, it's an important question you asked. That. Yeah. Ram, Ram what do you want to say? Well, even if you would just uh, think that this person is putting you in danger, you know, which is kind of a, a rational yeah. approach to it, it's still, you're still identifying. Right. He is putting you in danger. Right. Right. Um, while, you know, the, the, the skillful mind just sees it happen, makes appropriate actions, and continues. Yes. End of story. And then it's no over. Story. No more story. Right. There's no nothing else. It's, there's Even nothing else to it. Even Visaka was clinging. He wanted the Dhamma to be something different than what it was. Yep. And that's, that's clinging and that's eye-making. Mm-hmm. He, he wanted to get to the bottom of it. With a different answer than what he wanted to hear something other than what the answer was, absolutely. What about if you think about the like? Oh, that's that's great. I, 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 um, I was one second before this, or I was. It's still, even though it's a positive thing, you're grateful that right. that. Uh, oh, I didn't didn't have anything, or I didn't. I timed this well. Yeah. There was an accident right. know, behind you or whatever. Yeah. Is that still connected in the same way or is it? Sure. Yeah. That's still clinging. It's just n maybe n not like a ne you're not a negative feeling attached to it. If there's a positive feeling attached, it's still an attachment. Right. Mm -hmm. So is there any vacillation of emotion in the so in life? So or, or no. Right. So. You you just made a jump there to say that the that clinging is an emotion, so it's it's not. Oh, okay. So a feeling will arise and pass away within you. Absolutely, that still continues, no question. And the expression the, of that. Abs. Yes, yes. This is, you know, an expression of anger, an expression of those things occur, but 
if you're identifying with that. So the expression is separate from the identification. So can be right. I mean, I mean, I think if you're expressing it, if you're expressing an emotion, if you're actually skillfully expressing it, like say to a loved one, you're saying, mm -hmm. you know, this. I'm angry, or this made me angry in this moment. You're, there's a skillful way to do that and there's an unskillful way to do that, but you're still having anger arise within you and it's mm -hmm. still... You're aware. Uh, yeah, you're still aware of it and you're acknowledging it. And yeah. then maybe perhaps you're communicating it. Because sometimes it's, it's not a re, but you're not reacting. It's yeah. not a reaction. Mm -hmm. Right. I mean, it's, a, it's experiencing say, say it. Say someone dies. Say your, your right. mother dies. Right. Then mm -hmm. you, you, you're sad. One, one second, John. That's appropriate. You have grief. No, yeah, no, absolutely. Mm -hmm. Totally. Yeah. It's not, I mean, it's, it's suffering. But that's, right. My but, question then is. One second, John. You, sorry. Do you need but, to express it? Yes. Right. That's you're a great example. Yes. Of course, you, you, you're experiencing. Mm -hmm. Trying not to experience it, you're already off the track. Yes. But do you need to express it? Right. I would definitely are say you, yes. Are you still are you still not clinging when you express the, it the, to somebody to, to Right. Somebody else? I think, and John John wants to talk, but I want to respond to that and just say that I think that if an emotion arises within you. You only know in that moment whether or not it is appropriate mm. to express the emotion, to not express it, or at least communicate it mm -hmm. to another person. Yeah. John, sorry. Yeah, that, no, that, that's right. So let's first define an emotion. An emotion is a thought attached to a feeling. So we've already evaluated something that has occurred and given rise to something within me. And so that can either be done through dispassion or through continued eye-making. Um, and so there's also an, an, an underlying um, inference to emotion that it must be expressed. And there's even uh, a, a, a kind of a pop culture belief that if you don't express your emotions, your feelings, you're going to get sick, you can even get stomach cancers and those kind of things. Of course, none of those are really founded in any science. And the truth of the matter is, is that as awakened, which means fully mature human beings, we can feel anything that's appropriate without the need to express it in any way because we understand the, the, um, uh, the quiet magnificence of being silent, even though I might be angry about something or sad. Uh, it, 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 it makes... Um, my own understanding of who I am in relation to the world, uh, it takes it to a much more personal and intimate level than always thinking I have to be expressing myself and letting the world know. Because really what I'm doing, when I'm throwing me out there, is I'm losing myself rather than gaining anything. Uh, and, that, and that's not, you know, that's just kind of obvious. I just so that, but I can't we, as we learn to, to um, remain well-concentrated and uh, practice the tenets of refined um, speech or right speech. Um, everything within us starts to be starts to calm. And I'll make this my comment on what you talk on your talk too. Mm -hmm. yeah. to that. 
you mentioned um, you mentioned a lot, and and um, and I'm, I'm going to lose what I was going to say, but that's all right. You're, that was really the most brilliant uh, talk I've ever heard, seriously, on that sutta. And and I'm including mine, so you know that that's saying something. Uh, it really was excellent. Thank you. Um, and so you, you brought up two important points, and I'll and I'll be brief on those. One was you mentioned twice the importance of recognizing verbal or mental fabrications, and as the Buddha teaches that it is first verbal or mental fabrications that cease, and then bodily fabrications do. And that relates directly to what we're talking about, and what I, I think that was Ilya that brought it up. Thank you, Ilya. Um, so, right speech and noble silence are two sides of the same coin, and it relates directly to something that, that was just brought up here. So just because I feel something doesn't compel me to say anything. I don't have to, to, to say anything or act in any way just because I've had a feeling. In fact, again, the description of, of an awakened human being is being fully mature. So I know, I'm, you know I'm, I'm establishing the world. I don't have to make you know who I am because I know who I am. That, that just makes sense, doesn't it? And so as things arise, I don't have to say, oh, I'm feeling this way or I'm feeling that way unless it's appropriate. Right. And sometimes it is appropriate. Mm -hmm. And sometimes it is appropriate to recognize that the situation that I'm in does not relate to right speech, right action, or right livelihood. And the way that person is, put, is, is carrying them in this world gives rise to, to a, a type of frustration or anger, something that I might have at least called that or recognized that as before. The difference is, now the motivation is, wait a minute, calm. Because now I can recognize that instant. The instant that something I'm about to lose my mind, I can take a breath. And so what now happens? Nothing. <laughs> there's, no, there's no longer to have to, just, to, to go to justify the feeling. Because what happened? Nothing. I only have to justify my feelings or explain them away when I act out on them. When I can, you could say nobody's the wiser. Mm. And I'll leave it at that. Thank you, Jen. It was outstanding. Thank you, John. Thank you. Thank you. And, and let's remember what the study was. It's a study on restraint. Ah, uh, darn it. I meant to bring that up. <laughs> and that's a perfect description yeah. of Yes. Restraint. restraint. Wise restraint. Wise restraint. It Wise does, restraint. It doesn't is, make us yes. autotrons. It doesn't Absolutely. mean that I won't Thank be in grief for a passing of a loved one. Mm -hmm. But I will show restraint when it's appropriate to show restraint. Yep. And I'll be able to show restraint yeah. because I'll have control over my mind. So, so yep. it, it seems to me that it's the restraint comes into play more when there's a negative or, a, or a upset or anger feeling than necessarily. a joyful feeling. Mm -hmm. I think the same. It would be the same mechanism to show wise restraint at a pleasant feeling. But that's where I don't understand that because I mm -hmm. really feel that we are social creatures on a fundamental level and that joy is contagious. 
and that it's not that it's your responsibility to spread joy around like the Pied Piper or whatever but I feel like it's it does a world of, of good for so many people it's I mean, there's other people that have completely you know taken me out of wherever I mm -hmm. was in my silence of restraint and and sort of like brought me into it oh this is humans you know? and I would only say humans are, are good I would only say that calm would do the same thing mm -hmm. and mm -hmm. that's where restraint and then it seems like we're so I mean I don't know I don't my life is very isolated I'm like <clears throat> by myself most of the time I don't I don't share a lot so when I come into contact with people mm -hmm. I love that I don't want to be restrained I don't want to be angry either but mm -hmm. I want to be Celebratory and and um, well, grateful. You don't, have, of, you, don't, you don't have to. I mean, I think right. Isolation is two different things from being like. You don't have to what? You don't have to restrain like if it's a good thing that's happening. Well, that's what I'm saying. Is that, is that it seems like the restraint is is on the negative side, not on the whole everything. No, restraint like, is restraint is a, an overall practice of the four foundations of mindfulness on a moment-by-moment -moment basis mm -hmm. so whatever whatever yeah. is arising within me I'm experiencing yeah. it as it as it's occurring yeah. it does not and if that's joy then I'm experiencing right. joy I, I, I get that but mm -hmm. I don't understand why it, that it, that's something uh, the, the, uh, the reason why you would um, apply restraint to positive feeling is identified with that positive feeling. Right. That's so the, it's really that's it's the, the identification. The feelings. It's right. Just, it's that's identification. Exactly. That's not the so, feeling itself. So it really has turn to him do around. with your identification. This okay. is I am, I am John? the joyful one here. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, no, but that's not what I'm talking about. Go ahead, John. Restraint. Mm -hmm. So you restrain restraining from identifying. Great. Right. Otherwise have oh, a, not have a feelings. Blast, do yeah. Not joy. <laughs> not yeah. yeah. Okay. Yep. I got it. Good. Yeah. Cool. Go. John, did you want to add something? Yeah, wait, what why is restraint is yeah. does not mean that we don't we don't have experience. Mm -hmm. It simply means we don't exaggerate the right. experience. That's where why restraint comes in. It's, it's experience just what's exaggerating. And so whatever is occurring, uh, I think I think Jen and everybody else here would say that when it's appropriate, I'm, I'm rather celebratory. Life is more wonderful now than it's ever been, and it's not because of anything external. I, and I know Ilya, you're not looking for anything external to satisfy you either. Uh, but what, it, what the Dhamma does is bring the most mundane moment sorry, sorry, of life and make it precious and poignant simply because yeah. you're living it or I'm living it. And there's no there's no need for wise restraint at that point because whatever is appropriate is what's occurring. I'm just gonna paraphrase a little yeah, bit just because they're having a hard time hearing you. Um, so what he said in the beginning was that when you are using wise restraint, you're having the experience without exaggerating the experience, without adding to it by self-identifying with it, which is what I think you you kind of yeah. came to. I just wanted to, yeah. like, where does the sharing come in? Where does the, like, if, if a friend comes to me and they're bereft and I care about them and I'm compassionate with them, and is it, is it uh, I mean, I'm not going to, you know, I want to participate 
in their whatever they need. You know, right. They yeah. Need you have the ex- you have that experience. Or they want, right. You know, whatever. You sit with that experience without self-identifying with it. Yeah, yeah, okay. That's, yeah, Yeah. just take the icing off the cake. (laughs) Exactly. Take the mayonnaise (laughs) off the sandwich, like Lorna would say. And just practice that. Well, I need need to be the savior in that moment. With a clarity. Yeah, yeah. I think I I, I already kind of understood it. It just was like the nomenclature Mm -hmm. was sort of, I wasn't coming in so much. Got it. All right, Mom. What you got? I'll tell you what I've got. I've got a great daughter. Come on, you guys. <laughs> Don't identify with that. I know, right? <laughs> so I, was really, I really enjoyed that, Jen. Yeah, I learned a lot. Thank you. And, um, you see? The, thing, the thing that that sort of uh, really hit me <clears throat> was right at the end when you were talking about bringing Damadina's example of great compassion and patience into the way that you talk to yourself. And I thought that that was just a brilliant addition to remind us that that compassion and that patience that she was was using as she spoke with her husband or ex-husband is important is just as important for us to use when we're speaking when we're having that internal dialogue with ourselves and that that really that really hit me when you said that at the end i thought that was very effective Good job. Thanks, Mom. I enjoyed it. Checks in the mail. Yay. <laughs> Brian. Brian. Yay, you're in the house. Thanks. Um I really liked the piece on Anatan. Because I, I, I got intrinsically that impermanence is impermanent, right? That that's just a thing that's that's universal, right? That that's not subjective. It, it it's an objective thing, right? And I, I've just come to the same realization with dukkha. Like it, it's not a subjective experience. It it just exists. Mm-hmm. And you you've completed the trifecta for me with anatta that like this is just our programming. Yep. This is our wiring. This is who we are as evolutionary biological creatures. This mm-hmm. is. This is what it is, um, and there's there's no escaping it per se, other than to go through this practice and this path to do the rewiring and the work that yep. helps you see with right view that you're not a self. Yay! Thank you. Thank you. How's it going, Brett? It's going good. Good. Uh, good to be here. Thanks for your teaching. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> I got a lot out of the uh, sutta, and uh, yeah, at some something happened this week it was just I was working on working on a deal for a long time and I kind of let it go slack and then I realized somebody else had took, taken it over and <gasps> the guy had, oh no the guy the home or the property owner let the deal go to somebody else and didn't contact me and I thought I had it in the bag and that he'd call me when he wanted to move on it and uh, that's my project yeah <laughs> yeah and so <clears throat> and I had been I put a lot of work into you know anyway 
And so it was, this covers that. Mm. And then, you know, I, you know, it's like, everybody they brought up with the um, morning something that you, you know, a loss that you wanted, and it's just, I guess, you know, it isn't permanent, and, uh, you know, in time, you know, come back to your breath, radical acceptance, you know, uh, these feelings are impermanent, and mm. they will, you know, dissipate, so, it's, you know, as much as, it, it bums me out, but, like, you just have to keep on coming back yeah. to your breath, and then, I, you, I guess you, you really don't, what's there, just clinging on to the feeling of wanting something, yep. and, And there's, you can't really rationalize it, you know. You can't really rationalize it yourself out of it. Nope. Because you'll just keep rationalizing yourself right back into. Yeah, like Why didn't I lose that? How did I lose that project? Right into, and the, into the ground. That's a, thank you for sharing that. That's exact. That's a great answer to what Dev was asking for, which was a, a kind of a personal experience of noticing that you're clinging to something where you uh, something happens and. You know, somebody takes over a project that was yours and you, you are now mourning the loss of that project because you were identifying with it. So that's great. I guess, yeah, you're identifying with it. You know, as soon as I saw that it was happening, I said, I drove past and I said, And then I'm like, all right, that's fine, let it go. It wasn't meant to be. Mm-hmm move on yep and then you know as of that then it then i'll go back to it and toss it around and yep you know what can i but yeah. come back to my breath and you know it passes with time and i have to realize that the only thing i'm going to do is come back to my breath and it'll pass yep that's great and time will time will heal it all nice job and think about it the consequences were the same he lost the job yeah and he didn't stick a second arrow over and over again. Yeah. So you don't dodge Duca. Yeah. You understand it. Don't dodge Duca. That's good. You yeah. Don't yeah. No. Yeah. Yeah. Don't as miserable Duca. as it feels, yeah. you have to just sit with it. Yep. Sport, dodge ball, but Duca. <laughs> you didn't go into a spiral of it and yeah. chew it over. And like, no, I, I, I knew that if I did that, I'd just, it was just on a... It's More just, clinging. It would be a loop. It would be a um, loop. Yep. Would sit there and loop. I've been there before. Depending yeah. on origination. Yeah. David, you have anything to add? No. Thank you. Well, thank you for all of your words already. Could I add something? Sure, Elian. What Brett was saying was making me think, because so many times in my life I've said, I can't believe I didn't, I can't believe that that happened. Like, mm-hmm. all my brain just like he was just saying, and then I, and then often, Something else will happen. I'm like, thank God that didn't happen. Yeah. Thank God that other thing didn't happen. And it's sort of, I don't know if you want to call that karma or timing mm. or, or, what is that part of? Is that any part of the, the energetic mechanism of of, how, of right thinking? I mean, is there like unto itself is drawn or, you know, if you're if you're not engaging in the drama of it and you're get right back on your horse, so to speak, and, and then you're ready again, and, and, and something else comes along as you, you're, you can connect with it. Yeah, I mean, I don't think there's anything 
there's a connection that you're right. doing to make a certain phenomena arise or pass away. That's sort of the opposite of what to make it pass away or to draw to, it to you. Right. Either one. It's arising and passing away on its own. So you. So there's no sense of manifestation. No. no. Now there's a space. But there is. What there is is there's is there's a space of. Why not? That's an important thing to know. I'm I'm surrounded by manifestors, so I know I know this phenomena very well. Um, when you're trying to when you're putting energy into manifesting something you're right into the identification. You're the one who wants something to happen. Yeah. You're identifying with it. You are completely identifying. I don't know about that. Yeah. Because well, I don't no, know if it's a mental thing. It's a vibrational thing. Mm. It's not a, there's no mental cognition on it. Mm. Well, I mean, you, there's very little. There's a lot, there's a there's lot. There's maybe a direction, a directive or some a direction. I, I don't. I think that there's a physics phenomena of like unto itself is drawn. I think that that's mm. the operates. It's, it, I, I hear that theory a lot and um, it doesn't work for me. Absolutely not. And I've seen. Well, it wouldn't if you didn't think it would. <laughs> there's no way I could. Well, there again. But, that, but I don't but, know if that's identification yeah, or not. But, but yeah. the crux of the matter is that in trying to manifest something in trying to steer reality you are fully identified i don't i don't agree with yeah that. well it, it's i don't agree because i yeah. i operate on that a lot i know i know and and, it, and, and, it, and, you're, and, and you're not the only one and it, it's 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 incredible mm -hmm. it's, it's i know uh, but i've also seen it fail miserably and, I don't, and at I don't that know. point, um, you. But have. you don't put the eggs in the basket like that. And you don't put the eggs. It's it's more of a. So is there a question here? No. Well, is there a question? No, I'm, I mean I'm not sure. I'm yeah. just. Well, it, it's. <laughs> it, you just triggered a little little, little <laughs> point in me. Oh. Um, <laughs> and it's. Uh, but. Um, I would have to think about it a, a bit more deeply to to yeah, set this in, in to set yeah, my yeah. answer really fully in, yeah. in the Dharma. My experience, I almost feel like, yeah, I almost feel like uh, you're operating outside of your body and your mind when you're manifesting anyway. That's not what the Buddha is teaching. Okay. Yeah. Let's yeah. say that. Let's okay. just say yeah. that. That's it's not what the Buddha is teaching. Now, you know, that so that's outside sort of, of over that. here. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. That mm -hmm. yeah. Okay. John, did you want to say something? Yeah, you, well, you just said it. The, the, okay. Buddha, the Buddhist Dharma is about understanding stress, understanding the cause of stress, understanding the cessation of stress, and understanding that it is the Eightfold Path of Practice that we practice for the cessation of stress. Mm -hmm. But just to, to Ilya's point, there, there's, um, mm -hmm. uh, there may or may not be... Um, there's theory that a human mind can cause something to manifest in the physical world. That's all. It's all theory, and that's fine. We can. I'm not against using our minds to play around in theory. Um, it's just something that is out of this practice. So, yeah, yeah. but what I would say is, if I'm going to get start getting into using my mind to create experiences in some way. Or even just to color them, I would. I'm gonna want my mind to be awakened first before I start doing those kind of things. 
And then earlier, when I when I used to think of that way too, that um, that it, that it all really just came to the down to the power of the human mind. But what I had to finally admit is that if the human mind was so powerful, it would have stopped making such a mess of humanity long, long time ago. And to me, again, I'm not trying to be, be smart or anything about it. Um, I, to me, that makes it an obvious point that we're simply have the cart before the horse. Let's stop manifesting all the things that we want and let's wake up first. And that's, again, I'm not trying to be so blunt either, but that's the way I see it for myself. That's what brought uh, a common, peaceful mind to me. And now, like I said before, I realize post a common, peaceful mind, there's not a whole hell of a lot to do except be present for this moment and for your wonderful questions and posits. So, thank you. <laughs> thank you, John. Great. <clears throat> Anybody have anything? No. Thank you. Yay. Thank you, thank you everybody, this for a great third, class, great conversation. I've, I've seen you teach this. This sutta? I sutta. thought about you a lot while I was, while I was teaching yeah, this. Every time. Oh, thank you. The Saka is... Oh, wait. I didn't, get, I didn't even hear from you. I didn't call on you. Well, I'm sorry. Um, yeah, I did think about you a lot because I know you, I know you like the Saka and his meandering mind. Um... Tomorrow is our, the beginning of our retreat. For those of you going, I look forward to seeing you. Mm -hmm. And for those of you who aren't, we won't be here on Thursday and Saturday. Um, does anybody else have anything to add, John? Yeah, that's it. Great class, Jen. Thank you. All right. I'm going to read the Karanita Metasutta so you guys can get readjusted and comfortable again. This is what should be done by one who is skilled in goodness and who knows the path of peace. Let them be able and upright, straightforward and gentle in speech, humble and not conceited, contented and easily satisfied, unburdened with duties and frugal in their ways, peaceful and calm and wise and skillful, not proud or demanding in nature. Let them not do the slightest thing that the wise would later reprove. May all beings be at ease. Whatever living beings there may be, whether they are weak or strong, omitting none, the great or the mighty, medium, short or small, the seen and the unseen, those living near and far away, those born and to be born, may all beings be at ease. Let none deceive another or despise any being in any state. Let none through anger or ill will wish harm upon another. Even as a mother protects with her life her child, her only child, so with a boundless heart should one cherish all living beings, radiating kindness over the entire world, spreading upwards to the skies and downwards to the depths, outwards and unbounded, freed from hatred and ill will. Whether standing or walking, seated or lying down, free from drowsiness, one should sustain this recollection. This is said to be the sublime abiding. By not holding to fixed views, the pure-hearted one having clarity of vision, being freed from all sense desires, is not born again into this world. Thanks, everybody. Thank you, Jen. Thanks, Jen. Thanks, Jen. Yep. All right. Good night. Good night, everybody. Thank you for listening. I rely on donations to support the continued restoration, preservation, and presentation of the Buddha's Dhamma. 
If you find benefit here, please consider a donation at becoming-buddha.com. Thank you. Peace.